Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. We are on year four and five. We're going to try to do two years this year Mm -hmm. of your real estate agent five-year plan. And uh, thank you for all the great feedback on this particular topic. It's been fun for us to really, it's been fun for us to formulate the idea of this podcast and put together the notes. And like I said, today, we're going to try to not just cover year four, but also cover year five. That's right. So a reminder, we created this podcast series, Real Estate Agents Five-Year Plan to provide you, our listeners, a specific, practical, and tactical plan to meet or exceed your goals in your real estate career and ultimately in your life in five years or less. And again, today we're talking about year four and five. As always, thank you for keeping this podcast the number one daily podcast for real estate professionals. And remember to like and subscribe so that you receive every show the second that it's released. And if you're on iTunes, please do give us a five-star review and then share with us why you liked the show. Your continued support and encouragement are always greatly appreciated. Now, remember that today's show is sponsored by one of our favorite companies, Red X. So if you're finally ready to become a listing agent, we talked to you about that on every podcast. Of course you are. So the great news for you, this podcast is sponsored by our favorite seller lead system. You read that correctly. It's a trusted company. It provides you with names, addresses, phone numbers of homeowners who want to sell. These are not impressions, guys. These are sellers who actually had a for sale sign in their yard. Truly motivated seller leads, the ones you're looking for. So best part, no referral fees for you. What are you waiting for? Go there now and become a member. So text uh, RED, I believe it is, to 47372. And when you do, we're going to give you a $150 discount because you're Harris Podcast fans. And even after you do the sign up, Tim, it's really inexpensive monthly. So we're just getting you started out by giving you that $150 discount. So text RED to 47372. Text RED to 47372. And remember, message and data rates may apply. And yes, that's right, long time, uh, long-time podcast listeners, Julie just did a live read of a commercial. <laughs> that never happened. It was me, yes. Right, yes, it was. All right, so let's get on to year four. All right, so year four. Point number one, my note takers, get ready. Point number one, now you're seeing the real accumulation effect of your investing, your saving, and your hard work. So expand your knowledge about what to do with your profit. That's the exciting part. Remember, you are rich when your money is working for you and you're no longer working for it. Now, you might be surprised that we're talking about this just on year four. These guys are already accumulating wealth, which I think is fantastic. We started buying rental properties before we had rental, uh, real estate licenses, but we started accumulating more rental properties in probably our year, our third year. Mm-hmm. Let me give you guys a few uh, breadcrumbs. So when you're looking to invest, and we said this yesterday, and this is what's worked for Julie and I in the last 30 years. We've been married for 31 years this mm-hmm. year. Um, and we've always worked together, but we will take risks when creating our uh, revenue. In other words, in our business, we'll create risks. In our business, we'll do things that are a little bit more speculative. But with our profit, we are so conservative and boring, you cannot possibly believe it. And that's the way to go. So don't take risks with your profit. Take risks with the business. 
That's the way that you will produce more profit that way and then learn quickly from the risks that you take in your business. And really, if you have to take risks in your business, make sure that the least speculative ones, i.e. learning how to be a proactive lead generator. But as far as things to look into, and we're not, we're not financial advisors and the whatnot and all that, but we're going to tell you uh, what we did and what we did a long time ago is what probably a lot of you should consider doing as well. Investing is not that difficult. Um, investing in the stock market is not that difficult. The thing is, is you have to have a myopic approach and just do what Warren Buffett does. Makes sense, right? The world's probably most, I think, successful investor or one of them at least at this point. So Google what would be called Vanguard Index Funds. And specifically, I want you to uh, Google, uh, this sounds crazy, but just Google it, uh, Bogleheads or Bogleheads.com. I believe it's B-O-G-E-L-H-E-A-D-S. It might not be .com, it might, might be .org. You can also drop into Google, um, Boglehead, uh, Boglehead, <laughs> Bogleheads, uh, Five Fund Portfolio, and Three Fund Portfolio. Okay, so what is it? These are index funds, and index funds are great because they take an index, which is a, sl a small sliver of, an like for example, the S&P 500. So you can buy an S&P 500 index fund through Vanguard, and you can essentially make it so that your cost of, hold of investing in the money is virtually nothing. The problem is, is a lot of times if you passively invest or invest with uh, somebody who's going to manage your money for you, they're going to charge you 2 or 3% per year. And then they're also going to charge you, depending on what kind of investment it is, up to 30% of the upside. We had, you know, somebody pitched us the other day and they didn't want to charge us anything uh, uh, to keep the money in the fund every year. But what they wanted to do is 30% of all the profit. So at the end of the year, if there was profit, profit they took 30%. Uh, if there was no profit, they didn't take any money. But still, I mean, that's not that good, right? And especially when you compare it to index funds. And there's an old story that goes that Warren Buffett was, um, he was essentially placing a bet. I think it was just a gentleman's bet. But it was a bet with somebody who was at the time a very famous hedge fund guy. And the hedge fund guy thought, well, because of his more risky investments over a certain amount of time, and I think it was only five years, that he was going to be able to outperform the index funds or this, the S&P 500 index fund types things. And Warren and him had this bet. And Warren, of course, won. So, And the moral of the story, too, if you want me to really uh, emphasize this, is Warren Buffett is on record of saying when he passes away, He's going to convert his assets that he's leaving for his heirs into index funds so that basically the money's going to have a higher likelihood of uh, con continuing to comp uh, compound. Generally speaking, especially over this last run-up, money has been doubling in the stock market every seven years. So you put a dollar in and in seven years it's worth $2 kind of thing. And if you look at the long-term history of the stock market, you will see that pretty much even though there's certainly you know slow times, down times, and all the rest of it, bear markets, bull markets, oh, if you stay invested, generally speaking, as a long-term investor in index funds, you're going to do really well. Again, we're not an expert at this, and there's more opinions on you know how to go about uh, you know investing than there is even how to generate leads for your real estate business. But really, at the end of the day, if you just copy what the smartest people do, generally speaking, that's going to be where you're going to get the best advice. Um, and Warren Buffett makes no money from saying what he did. He doesn't sell um, any of what I just said to you, which makes his advice, in my mind, even more reputable. So the uh, best way for you to do it is, again, just go to Google and put in Bogleheads, a five-fund portfolio, three-fund portfolio. And by the way, why is it called Bogleheads, such a silly name? Because the guy who uh, founded Vanguard, who I think passed away recently, uh, was named John Bogle. And he was the one that created all this index fund investing. I think he started creating index fund investing in the uh, 1960s. So again, long story short, it's the least expensive way for you to get what will be hypothetically the most upside from long-term investing. In addition to that, 
um, we would suggest you also look into buying single-family rentals. Now, single-family rentals versus multifamily, it's almost like a religious war. So many people argue uh, multifamilies, and it makes sense if that's the direction you want to go. But the nice thing about single families and the reason we've always leaned into single families and the reason, by the way, BlackRock is leaning into single families, the reason that the largest investors in real estate in the uh, country, if not the world, like single families is because they appreciate more, they're easier to keep rented, and generally speaking, they're in essentially more sound areas. Multifamilies you're going to find are on the fringe areas of, of a community. They're not in the prime central uh, areas, so they're going to be harder to rent and attract a less quality tenant. Um, you asked you know, 10 people if they'd rather live in a single family or a, an apartment or a multifamily, you know, how many of them are going to say anything other than single family? So Julie and I have always bought single families. Now, the miracle of COVID, the good part of COVID is, is single family investing now makes sense in markets, whereas before it didn't, because there's markets, though, these ancillary markets around the country that have become really desirable because people now can work remotely and because of Starlink and all these other uh, innovations. It's going to, so you don't have to necessarily worry, well, I'm out in some rural area. I can't necessarily, you know, make sense of rentals where I am. Well, maybe you need to relook into that because you might be surprised. Like, we use Murphy, North Carolina, mm -hmm. where we have our little cabin. And Murphy, North Carolina, and you, this is hilarious, but true, it's one of the, if not the, most isolated places in the United States. It's two hours at least from anywhere. And that market has gone up by at least 50% in the last 12 months. And all the buyers are, are essentially the types I've just described. So when you're thinking about investing, you don't just have to you know, look in your own backyard. You can look nationwide. How many different states do we have properties in? Seven? I think seven. And you know, we have a coaching client in Paducah, Kentucky, and she yeah. reports the same thing that you know, that's also a fairly remote. It's historic. Most people can't well, point to it on the map. What's her name in Paducah, Kentucky? Uh, Sarah Gibson. All right. So Sarah Gibson, her average sale price in Paducah, Kentucky is how much? Maybe two twenty-five. Okay. So if you rent, uh, if you buy a two twenty-five or from Sarah Gibson, let's say you pay cash for it, just to keep the math easy. That's probably going to rent out close to two grand a month. Yeah, and she's got, she still has inventory around one fifty to one seventy-five. Yep. And you know, California and Florida agents, we're talking to you guys because a yeah, lot of right. you have not been investing because you look in your own backyard and you go, "Holy cow, I don't want to pay a million dollars for a rental property." So it's okay to branch out, especially through our network of coaching clients, because they either can manage it themselves for you or can point you to a property manager, put a home warranty on it, and you don't have all of the hassle of that. That's why we're able to have properties in seven different states. We're not running over there to check on them every day. We have properties we've never seen before. <clears throat> yes, that's true. Yeah, I mean, we have plenty of them we've never even seen. Some of them brought to us by coaching clients, which was awesome. Pretty much all of them, if yeah, you think about it. Yeah, almost all of them. Yeah, do you guys yes. have any good, interesting single families or even multis, but preferably singles? Uh, do text Julie and I at 512-758-0206. Uh, we're always looking for good stuff. And, well, and, and the other reason we like single family is because if you ever really wanted to slash had to sell them, there's a lot more people looking for a house than there are for multifamilies. It's for just sure. more predictable. It's easier to get financing. Yes. You can liquidate a, a single family. A single Overall, that's our thesis, and it's worked for us. And again, a lot of people argue, well, you get easier and faster cash flow in multifamilies, and it's true. But it's also slightly more of a risky investment than what we wanted when we were building our foundational financial uh, pillars. And that's what we're asking you to consider as well. Again, take risk in your business. Don't take risk in the profit that comes from your business. And put the, uh, the money in a place that it doesn't have to – like so many of our friends and so many people we know – 
they always look for these big home run type investments. Don't do that. Look for properties or look for investments that are going to be slow, steady, eddy types. Because over time, if you're patient, you're going to be so thankful that you did. And I can tell you for sure at 52, I am so grateful to Tim and Julie back in their 20s when they were buying rental properties. Me too. Absolutely. I mean, God bless Tim and Julie 25 <laughs> plus years ago. Yes, that's right. So that was a big point number one. Hope you guys were taking notes. Point number two, I love year four and year five because now, point number two, you can think as big as you wish now regarding your goal setting. Update your real estate treasure map, of course, and think even bigger this year. To do more transactions, add more spokes, not more staff. We talked about that a lot yesterday. You should be working with only a handful of buyers or none at all since you have your army of buyer partners already assembled. So again, year four is building on years one through three and assuming that you did those right, and you do have your uh, people that you can refer your buyers to. All right, point number three, set a very specific goal for your magic number of listings. Remember, that's the number of listings, active listings you have to carry at all times to meet or exceed your monthly goals. So set a goal for your magic number of listings, which is based on the goals that you set in your treasure map. If you're not sure how to achieve that higher level, get help before you get stuck and get involved in premier coaching. You know, Tim, I was thinking about these points this morning and I was looking at the fact, yes, that many of our premier members join when they get right about here, whether that's officially their year four or not, you know, maybe they're into it and, and they're at like three to 7 million or they're at 10 million, but they've done it two years in a row. Let me, so we get a lot of folks that are new in the business want to do it right the first time. Yes. Then we get a lot of folks, like you said, in year three or four that didn't do it right the first time yep. and want to go back and do it right. That's right. Those are the, stuck. That, that's the profile of our two clients. Agreed. They're the people that basically are, are done getting ready to get started. They've had some false starts. They followed some false profits, basically. They followed false profits that resulted in no profits. You guys get that? <laughs> and, and then you have we have a fair number of new agents that are joining because of the fact that they don't want to screw around wasting time. They just want to essentially yeah. ascend as fast as they can. You mentioned the real estate treasure map. That's our fill-in-the-blank business plan. We talk about that on our podcast every day. Make sure if you guys, well, you should all download it and just text the word Harris, our last name, to 47372. Text the word Harris, our last name, to 47372. And when you do, remember, you're also going to be entitled to a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches. So text the word Harris to 47372, and we'll text you back a link to download the real estate treasure map. Yes. So you see a theme coming here. We're talking about listings, and it all predicates you having done your plan. So number four, this is also an exciting point. I love this one. Upgrade everything. Your listing presentation, pre-listing package, and all of your support material. Use better paper. Use better color. Upgrade everything. But next, upgrade yourself. Refer to the Upgrade Everything chapter in Harris Rules. We're talking about upgrade your haircut, your glasses, your watch, your shoes, your wardrobe, your car, your technology. If you're still using a laptop that's eight years old, you probably need to upgrade. You guys go back to day one when we were talking about your five-year plan, and we discussed with you the, you know, we shared with you the plane taking off analogy. Mm -hmm. So what's happening in year four and really year five, you are just starting to hit cruising altitude, but what you're doing is starting to level off and pull back on the amount of ferocious, constant, never-ending energy it took for you to get there. And that's when now you can reassess. Year four is about continuing to do what you did to get there in the first place. You can't stop doing what it took to get you there in the first place. And now that you're at cruising altitude, you can start deciding, okay, I can, you know, you can keep the plane uh, straight and level for as long as you want at cruising altitude, 
Or what some of you are going to start doing, which is Julie just inferred, is you're going to say, well, you know what? I now know I can take a consistent number of listings that will result in a consistent amount of profit every single month, which will result in me building a consistent amount of wealth from my passive investing. But now I want more. I want to take it to the next level. I can comfortably do what I'm doing. Maybe you're getting a little bored because it's easy. It happens. So now you want to go to the next level. Well, it's very easy. All you've got to do is increase your magic number of listings, and then you'll magically increase the amount of profit you'll make from your business right? That's how it works. That's our whole system. It's not that complicated. <laughs> Just do as, do as we ask and don't try to add too many more uh, moving parts because it's going to distract you from the very things it's going to take for you to get up to cruising altitude. Yes. So point number five, don't let your ego lead your decision making. This becomes very prevalent right about this time. You will be tempted by ego advertising, making videos, wanting to be an influencer. Be cognizant of the fact that none of those things lead directly to your profitability and remember that it's the repetitious boredom that pays off. You've already experienced that by this time in your career. And doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level might be getting boring, but you've built your skills up along the way. So work on becoming more and more efficient at your lead generation. How many people do you have to speak with to set your next listing appointment? Gamify the process to avoid boredom and keep building skills. I'm going to use the example from, and I can't remember his name right this second, somebody we talked to this morning on our walk who had lost a few deals, okay? And, you know, we all can relate to that. We, we went through that when we were selling. And, you know, you just get so mad and so stuck. And I said, look, you can think about this for the next week, or you can just set your next listing appointment today. After I asked him to make sure he had the experience to be able to pull that trigger, he did. He'd been in business long enough. And I said, I challenge you, set your next listing appointment by the end of the day. Not the end of the week, not the end of the month, immediately, because you have to have a hard reset. That's somebody who has the skill that can do it. And that's what I'm talking about. Become more efficient instead of becoming more bored. In other words, also, is that you didn't want him licking his wounds for too long and lamenting his exactly. losses. You wanted to get back on the horse Back urgently. in the saddle. Yep. And that's really the bottom line. Because the, the emotions of losing are, if you still stay in that losing emotional state, you start attracting more things that are going to reinforce thinking and feeling yep. like a loser. And guess what you become? You're in this omni state of being a loser. And it's very hard to break away from that. And then you can lose days, weeks, months, and sometimes decades. Yeah, you just have you to say next. Because you didn't break free of it, right? You start watching things. You start reading things. You start hanging out with other people that reinforce losing, in essence. I mean, just to Yes, and by Julie's the way, word. he's already set to it. Appointments. Okay. So, okay. Point number six, raise your average sale price. Now that you can easily do at least 24 transactions per year, check out this math. 24 transactions times 12,000 average net commission. We're using $500,000 sale as our example. So let's see, we've got uh, $500,000 sale makes 288,000. Now look at this. If you raise your average sale price from 500 to 750, which is viable in most markets right now, with an average net commission now of 18,000 instead of 12, on those same 24 transactions, you'll now make 432,000 versus 288 doing the same number of transactions. Make sense? Yeah, it does. So again, Julie's trying to show you this all comes down to math. And once you've gotten up to year four and five and you're cruising altitude, at that point, if you want to make more money, if you decide you want a bigger house, you want to go on more vacations, let's say you decide you want to buy a nicer car, let's say you want to you know, donate a whole bunch of money to something or help build a church or build whatever it is, you can do it simply by adding your uh, and, and 
basically increasing the number of listings you have at all times. And for you to go from consistently listing, say, three houses a month or two houses a month or 10 houses a month, for you adding on a couple extra house uh, listings, the amount of money that translates to on an annualized basis is extraordinary. So it's this is the blessing of real estate. Real estate is the greatest blessing, one of the greatest businesses you can get into as a small business owner, provided you're focused on primarily being a listing agent. And that really is the truth. Remember, in your first year, you guys got to go back and listen. This is your five-year plan. You've had to work your butt off for the first two years. That's just the truth for you to get to the point where you can start enjoying the benefits of some of the thoughts that we're sharing with you on year four and five. Year and four and five, you're looking back. You frankly don't even remember how much it sucked for the previous two years, <laughs> right. maybe even three, mm-hmm. right? You don't even remember because you don't remember all the, you know, essentially the work and all the, you know, just all of it because you right now are basking in the glow of essentially doing what you didn't want to do when you didn't want to do it at the highest level for long periods of time. You are now in some cases experiencing what true success really truly feels like for the first time in your lives. Congratulations, but don't stop there because the great this we see this happen. Julie and I talked about this is that you will have people that are reach that level where they're cruising altitude and things start to get easier and then they basically start getting dumb basically. They stop doing what it took they stop uh, you know, doing what they didn't want to do when they didn't want to do it at the highest level. They start rationalizing, well, I guess I don't need to do the proactive lead generation anymore. Oh, I can ra- I can delegate somebody doing the pre-qualifying. Oh, you know what? I'm going to have somebody else go on my listing appointments for me. You can do all those things, but you're going to lose the efficiency. You're going to lose the effectiveness. You're going to lose profit. Your margins are going to drop. Then you're going to run into someone. They're going to say, you know what, you know, Bob, I realized that, you know, six months ago you were making 75% profit margins and now you're making 10% profit margins or 15% profit margins. But look at all the free time you have. You've got a lot of free time to worry uh, about why you don't have more cash flow, why you aren't investing more money, and you have a lot more free time to then worry about why your adult daycare, aka your brokerage or your team, isn't more efficient. You guys get it? that you are always going to essentially pay for your business with something. Our suggestion is you put in the real work, really focus for five years, and then once you've gotten to that five-year mark, you really have built enough wealth, and you really are on the path to building even more wealth, that you'll change the trajectory of your life as long as you don't slow down. you got to do the real work. There are no shortcuts, unfortunately. I wish there were. Trust me, but there aren't. We would tell you about them. Trust we would. Me. Okay, point number seven, continue to invest. We covered this a little bit earlier, but continue to invest. But keep your investments non-speculative. It is a well-known fact that people with less net worth make riskier investments. People with higher net worth are more careful with what they invest in. Rental properties, stocks with a solid history, uh, what Tim talked to you about a second ago with Bogleheads, those are better than, say, crypto, for example. Especially in your early investing years, you work so hard for that money that you keep. Don't squander it on crazy things. If you do want to do speculative investing, Julie mentions crypto, right? If you do want to do stuff like that, just don't do it with more than maybe 10% of your investable assets. But if you're just getting started and you're starting to pay off debt and you're starting to build momentum, don't be doing anything speculative. Don't think, well, you know what, Tim, I'm going to buy this new whiz bang cryptocurrency and I'm going to jump the shark and I'm going to create a whole bunch of passive income. You hear these stories online. How many stories like that do you think are true? Look what Bitcoin's done in the last 18 months, for example. Ooh, I hope we don't attract mm-hmm. the Bitcoin people because, man, they're like a pack of wolves. I know. <laughs> we, did a, we did an interview with Peter Schiff. You guys should listen to that. It's been like, I don't even know, half a million downloads and views and whatnot. But read the comments. He didn't even talk about crypto in our interview once. But because he's basically somebody that says crypto is nothing more than a bubble, 
and he really has good reasons to rational or say what he does. The crypto people have organized from around the world. And anytime Peter shows up anywhere on any podcast or video, they just swarm. It's the organization of the the uh, bit of the Bitcoin people and the crypto people is actually quite extraordinary. But do listen to the interview we did with Peter Schiff because what he does talk about is inflation. And we did that interview quite a while ago, and everything he said about inflation is absolutely happening. If anything, his predictions with regards to inflation were too conservative. Point number eight. Point number eight, continue to systematize your lead generation spokes that are in existence already, so they become very predictable. And also, of course, consider adding a new spoke and perfect it this year. You should be able to do that at this point. So that's year four, and we talked about a lot of different things they fall into, ego decisions, stuff like that. All right, Julie, I'm going to go find my notes for year five, so give me a second. I have to go back online. Yes. So I'm curious, from that conversation you had with that guy today that called us in a panic, he texted me, actually. Yeah. He was part of our EXP group, Mm -hmm. and he uh, texted me, and he said, what is it? Uh, I mean, I forget. His head, the subject line of his email, or of his text was actually fantastic. Yeah. I'm in panic mode or something. I thought that was a really... I mean, oh, yeah, my, he said he was hitting the panic button. Hitting the panic like button, yeah. right. And he texted me and he asked for help. So you walk him through as I find today's, or the fifth day's notes. Tell, yes. Walk me through and what I'm he said. And I'm going to have a uh, follow-up coaching call with him just to make sure he stays on track. But basically, uh, he sent out the bat signal. I'm hitting the panic button. And it was as a result of losing some transactions. My first question was, is there any chance of saving them? And occasionally we do help you guys save deals and put them back together. But he was convinced that was the end of that. He he was not happy about it. He was stressed out about it. And so I asked him, uh, you know, how long have you been in business? What else have you got cooking? And after about five to 10 minutes tops, we identified that he did have three or four potential, one listing for sure, uh, an investor buyer that was just waiting for him to find the right thing. I think he's in Dallas or someplace in Texas. Uh, and that he had some other opportunities that he had to close on. And we talked about where his his business had come from. He had gotten some deals from open houses. So we put together not a 90-day plan, not a five-year plan, but we did a seven-day plan because that's what you guys need when you get stuck in this negativity rut, and he's already executing on that. Well, but the point was, and you just said this, and we're saying this again, he Mm -hmm. was in a negativity rut, and he did, wasn't able to essentially remove his negative emotions to see the fact that he did have some opportunities there. Yeah. He was not leaning into those opportunities and, and bringing them into the present moment because he was so mournful of these lost mm-hmm. transactions. He was focusing on the wrong thing. The right. Negative. And again, guys, you can lose a whole season from that. You can lose, like how many agents right now are sort of emotionally checking out because of the war in uh, Ukraine or because they're hearing interest rates have gone up like by basically a fart in the wind that doesn't even really matter. I mean, how many agents are sucking in the bad mojo to take them uh, lose their momentum and they're going to not even be part of the spring market i'm guessing it's more than none all right so guys uh bottom line is by the way when you need help if you're a coaching client obviously ask one of our great coaches and we're always here to help you premier coaching is premier coaching for a reason because we have some of the nation's best real estate coaches and then when you're in premier coaching you can actually ask your coach in real time on the daily semi-private coaching call every uh, workday, what your questions and your challenges are. Now, if Julie and I personally sponsor you at eXp, of the experience that that guy had is what you would have. So if we're your personal sponsors at eXp Realty, you have Julie and I's private cell phones, cell phone numbers, and you text us and we call you back. Uh, so if you're interested in joining eXp Realty and you're looking for a proactive sponsor in your success, 
and you have not already chosen a sponsor, Julie and I are formally applying for the job of being your eXp Realty sponsor. You can text me directly at 512-758-0206. For those of you who are just getting ready to get started thinking about joining eXp Realty, I've got a solution for you there as well. Just text the letters eXp to 47372. Text the letters EXP to 47372, and you'll be taken to a website which will answer all your questions. Just make sure you watch those videos. But for the rest of you who are ready to join and you're looking for a sponsor, we are here to be your sponsor, 512-758-0206. All right, as promised, we are moving on to year five. And year five is also very exciting, but here's some questions to make sure that you are on the same page here. Question is, what have you already built for yourself in terms of passive income? It's a good place to be introspective, year five. Uh, are you working on your EXP revenue share? How are you doing on that? Are you still circling the wagons on whether you should do that or not? What are you investing in? You will have created passive income sources by year five or possibly sooner that replace your need to earn personal income for you and your family, at least part of it. Point being, by year five, you will be, by our definition, rich. Rich is where your money works for you, and you don't have to work for your money. All right, so let's drill down on what Julie just said. Um, so what we're talking about is a simple fact that by year five, now the, the analogy of the spokes applies for lead generation, right? That's normally where we will show you guys how to create multiple sources of um, – Oh, thank you, Julie. Yep. You could have just told me, by the way. That's okay. I didn't interrupt you. Multiple yes. sources of income is what you're saying. Like she's telling me to turn <laughs> off Wi-Fi. Uh, yeah, multiple sources of leads. So the original wheel spokes in the wheel analogy applies to creating multiple sources of leads. Remember, more spokes in the wheel, the stronger the wheel you have. Ideal wheel has no more than five to seven spokes. You can read our best-selling book called Harris Rules to get a, more of a drill down on that. But that same analogy applies to creating passive income for yourself. The, in our opinion, the mission that you should be on in your real estate business is not to be famous, not to be an influencer, not to have everyone know your name, but to be rich where your money works for you and you no longer work for your money. Along those lines, you want to create five to seven spokes. That's the ideal scenario. And Julie and I have been at this for you know 30 years and we do not yet have seven spokes. But here's the rule is we want to have you know, ideally seven spokes that cover at the very least our minimum uh, monthly overhead in each of those personal and each of those spokes have to be independent of each other. So that means you're going to have to have, for example, you guys would have rental properties. You'd have EXP revenue share. You might have investments in dividend paying stocks. You, you guys get it? So there's multiple ways because the, the ideal scenario here is if one of those spokes uh, starts uh, you know, failing. It doesn't work. Some uh, You get laryngitis or something happens. You just all of a sudden, there's another pandemic. You've got multiple sources of income coming from other things. And you guys can create the foundation for seven different spokes uh, in five years. But really, if once you have four, maybe five foundational spokes that are at least covering your personal overhead per year, you're going to have one that out, you know, out accelerates the others, but still focus on creating more because what if the runner all of a sudden stops producing the same amount of revenue? You guys get it? Then you've balanced out. This is your five stuff, not your one stuff or your two or three or four. This is your five stuff. You are now working on creating an abundance of wealth for yourself by creating an abundance of cash flow that you're then going to be reinvesting. So you, let's stick with five sources of income. If you have five sources of income and one is covering all of your personal overhead, you are, as Julie just said, rich by our definition, where your money's working for you, you no longer have to work for your money. Now, the other four spokes or three spokes, or you, you know, stay with me on this, don't get too stuck in the numbers, that money goes to reinvesting. 
So the money that's coming from the other sources, don't spend it. Don't go to Vegas. Don't blow it all. Buy more rental properties. Buy more dividend-paying stock. Buy more things that are going to be assets for you that are going to create even more abundance. Pay off your kids' 529 plans. Uh, you know, Fully fund your health savings plan. Do whatever it takes. Create a huge uh, cash reserve account for yourself. As we discussed in year two, you're supposed to be working on you know 90 days worth of cash savings and then six months of uh, cash savings. So now maybe in year five, you have 12 months worth of personal cash savings. If you have a burn rate every month of your family, say, spends $15,000 a month, you want to have you know $180,000, $200,000 saved in cash. Not in cash flow, not in something you can access, but in cash. Put it someplace where you know it's always going to be there. You guys get it? That's what you're supposed to do, but you will not be able to be in that position to start creating these multiple wealth drivers if you have been buying all of your business, frankly, if you've never learned how to be a proactive lead generator. But primarily the reason that you won't be able to do what we just prescribed to you is because you have not been clear in your head along the way that your the product of your business is profit. If the product of your business is profit, the more profit you create out of your business, obviously, the better you are as a business owner. Does that make sense? It does. And right around year four and five is when they start to lose sight of that because the income has become more predictable and they tend to believe that it's going to be like this cash machine. And then there's a hiccup in the in the market or something like that, and they get off track. So this well, is really important. It starts to compound, right? Sure. So let's say in year three, they bought some rental properties. Mm -hmm. Let's say they happened to buy them two years ago. Yeah. You know? And those rental properties that they bought are now worth twice as much as what they paid. Now, it's not always going to be like that, obviously, but you guys get the idea. Mm -hmm. That can be psychologically overwhelming in some ways because you've never had that much abundance. Say three years prior to that, you were stone cold broke. I mean, that's what Julie and I experienced. Yeah. We were basically college students. Prior to being in real estate, we went to college. We paid our way mostly through college, having a car cleaning and detailing business, all this stuff. And then we got into real estate. And within you know our first year, we made hundreds of thousands of dollars and hundreds of thousands of dollars every year after that. And we started buying rental properties. Well, I remember on our third year, we started to make some silly mistakes. We started to spend money on branding and marketing. We started to delegate stuff that we should have you know, essentially not ever delegated or didn't need to be done in the first place. And our profit margins fell. We actually made more net profit our first year when we didn't know what the hell we were doing. And our third year when we were supposedly you know, experts, right? Yeah. So that's the irony of it is that if you allow your ego or if you allow people to uh, you know, influence you in ways that aren't in alignment with what is you would set for the goal for yourself, you will essentially be, you know, five years in, you won't have anything to show for it. Your, you should, our suggestion is you should benchmark the success in your business because you are a business owner by the amount that you increase your net worth by every single year. Some years are going to be amazing. Some years are going to be flat. Some years are not going to be that great because maybe your assets go down that particular year. But right now, guys, if you, wouldn't you love to have a bunch of rental properties right now in this inflationary time? Wouldn't you love to have a bunch of hard assets right now? Look at how much everything's going up. Construction costs in, in uh, the United States are increasing year over year by 30%. Construction costs. What's land costs doing? So what is that going to do to resale? What if you had a bunch of real, uh, you know, rental properties? They're going to go up substantially because the margin between new and used is it's too great. Again, it, it's gapping too much. That means that the new construction is going to pull the resale prices up. This is what happens. We're in this hyperinflationary cycle. Well, let's not say hyper, but we're in this historic inflationary cycle that asset holders are truly benefiting from. That is the reason why rich people get richer during hard times. It's not because they're doing anything wrong or taking anything. 
anything. It's just because they were disciplined in investing and buying assets when other people were basically going to Vegas and buying shoes. You guys get the point? So stay disciplined with this. And what we're prescribing to you, frankly, is boring. <laughs> Nobody's going to celebrate or give you a plaque for buying a rental property. Nobody's going, you know, no, there's not going to be a bunch of Instagram reels uh, that you're going to make and people are going to be dancing around on TikTok when you save $100,000 for the first time or you pay off a debt. That isn't the way that essentially society uh, awards people nowadays. But you need to stay true to what your mission on this planet is, which is hopefully getting to the point where you are financially free, where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. That's right. So point number one on year five kind of speaks to that. You are a little bit in the danger zone here from everything that we talked about. But remember that you now have real skills. What will you do with it? Will you embrace the fact that you have a predictable, duplicatable income stream or will you fall backward looking for the easy button? So remember to resist. This is about when that starts to happen and year four as well. So point number two, you knew I was going to say it. Time to do a new real estate treasure map and be sure to spend lots of time on your goal setting. You can think really big now, but keep the goals to what we call SMART. Just as a reminder, this is in the book. SMART stands for goals, which are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. And I think one of the most important things there is timely is to give yourself a deadline for these goals. I'll, and I'll tell you right there on that, uh, your goal, your Point two mm -hmm. is if they're not exposing themselves to people that think a lot bigger than themselves, if they're not getting out of their environment, if they're not running into people that are millionaires, billionaires, you know, all that, if they're not actually putting themselves in positions to meet people that are higher up on the mountain than they are, they're only going to basically be reinforcing what they've already created. Yes. And in that, I should have made this as a point, you know, on year four, we talked about raising your average sale price. So one of the reasons that agents don't do that is because they freak out when they're over the price of about where they're living. Yep. And one of the ways to cure that is to expand your center of influence. When we teach this in coaching, we talk about going to charitable events, doing philanthropic things, going to art auctions, going to car auctions, getting out, previewing stuff that's more expensive. So it's, it's good for you psychologically, mentally, financially, spiritually, and it's also good for your average sale price because you no longer will freak out when your average sale price personally is maybe 500 and you get called for a $2 million listing. When Julie and I were selling real estate, we started out in you know basically normal price homes. And I, again, we told the story before, but a lot of you have been inspired by it, so I'll tell it again. There was this community on the other side of town, which was called New Albany Country Club, is and always will be I, one of the most beautiful playing communities we've ever seen. It is phenomenal. Only, frankly, rivaled by where we live now in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I would agree with that. I would say the Ritz-Colton area where we live now is actually mm -hmm. a hell of a lot nicer. But the moral of the story is in Columbus, Ohio, at the time, what they did with the New Albany Country Club thing was phenomenal. So here were Julie and I. We lived basically the other side of town. We had no connection to high-end real estate. We had no connection to the people that were building the community. We had no connection to any aspect of anybody there. We knew nobody in New Albany Country Club, none of the realtors, nothing. No familial connections, no religious ties, nothing. What we do is we do this almost every weekend. Julie and I would drive out to New Albany Country Club. We'd park someplace and we'd walk around the golf course. Now there was a walking trail that went all the way around the community. We did that to make ourselves uncomfortable because we wanted to walk, you know, say hello and, you know, walk past other people that were uh, living there. We wanted to see how they lived. We wanted to 
saturate ourselves what it would like to be living there to work there and what we realized quickly was they were just like us just with a hell of a lot more money indeed yeah that's it that was basically it so what did we do we set the goal of moving out to new albany country club we moved out to new albany country club when you were 29 mm-hmm. yep. that's right and it was this big beautiful brick mansion basically mm-hmm. i was 30 because I, I think that was our fourth house yeah so that was 19 what year was that uh I don't know. When did you turn 20? 99? Yeah, 99. Yeah. Yeah, it was 1999. Uh, is that right? 99? Yeah, that, something like that. Yeah, Who knows? There. Anyway, so um, that's what we did. The point being is by doing that, we had uh, made it so we were more comfortable with living in that more expensive area. And then when we got there, our first year in the business, we were able to apply all the – in New Albany, uh, we were able to apply all the skills that we had learned – Uh, being proactive lead generators to that particular market. And here's what we discovered. We became top listing agents in New Albany Country Club inside 18 months because we were going after, guess what, expireds and all these other types of leads that we tell you about. None of the local agents were, but here's what we discovered. Upper-end agents, now this is not true everywhere, but upper-end agents have a tendency to be very complacent and not have a lot of skill because they get all their uh, their money, their businesses from center of influence and past clients. They rely on the fact that they went to high school with somebody or their parents know each other. They work mm-hmm. at the same company. So when Julie and I showed up and we were picking up the breadcrumbs, the expired listings and whatnot of what the, uh, I say, the embedded agents weren't able to sell, those sellers were actually really grateful because they realized that we weren't complacent and taking the business for granted. And they told us that. I know, which was awesome. And, and But I would also remind you in our story, while we were doing that, yes, I would agree with you that by and large, we prospected our way into that community by uh, talking to expireds and, and, you know, those were great expireds to go after. Okay. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, we used Red X to, to find them. But um, expired, yes. We also were doing some things socially. We were going to, we joined the club. We were doing stuff like that. But that takes time. So that was a kind of a mini spoke that was developing. Well, we had to save up the money to pay the fee to get in. <laughs> That's right. And we also were some of the only agents in that community that would just absolutely kill it on open houses. Yep. Because, you know, this was high-end. This was a golf club. We don't do open houses here. Except that we did, and we got such great uh, attendance. We did lots of transactions from that. And that also led to more uh, social connections just by following up and being nice to people and having people in that community even notice that somebody – we I forget, was it Dr. Powell? Somebody said, you are the only agents who I see making an effort. I see agents on the golf course all the time, but you're the only ones who had a line going to your open house. Yep, that was Dr. Paula. And he ended up listing, it was, I mean, it was ridiculous how much business, the guy started doing all kinds of business with us. But it's funny about the open houses. The reason that the local agents didn't do open houses on Sunday is because on Sundays when they were playing golf. I know. And they were always playing golf with the same little group of five or six friends. Mm -hmm. And Julie and I were doing open houses and we would pick up all the relocation business. We pick up all the sellers and all these sellers were like, well, there's Bob and Susie, you know, local agents out there playing golf and you guys are here trying to sell houses. And I really appreciate it. It really will work that way. It works that way for you guys. It'll work that way in every market. But the moral of the story is, and what we're trying to really impress upon you here is, is you're going to have to, especially in year five, you're going to have to make yourself uncomfortable and push the envelope. I get it. You're, you're comfortable with where you live. You love your house. You paid it off. Everything's great. You've got your boat. But in year five, it's time for you to consider to, you know, you're in your plane. You're flying at cruising altitude. Everything is easy. You're, you know, you're the pilot. You guys have been on planes before. And you see the pilot, you know, getting up and maybe 
talking a little bit with the stewards and stewardesses and you see them maybe going to the bathroom or whatever, that's when they're at cruising altitude and everything's set on autopilot. When you get to that point, we will suggest to you that you start intentionally thinking about going to the next level, whatever that's going to be for you. Not just financially, but spiritually, intellectually. Every aspect of your life is going to need an upgrade and you're going to have to overtly um, look for those things to upgrade because what happens is if that pilot stays out of the cabin for too long and he doesn't watch the gauges, that plane's going to start slowly losing altitude and who knows what's going to happen. And that's what happens in your businesses as well. So you're going to have to keep yourself challenged. And the blessing about real estate is you sell homes and you're in some, you know, you love real estate at some point, I assume. Why don't you think about upgrading your house in year four or five? Why don't you think about, you know, you've always wanted to buy a Porsche or whatever. Well, you know what? That's a hell of a great uh, source for getting more real estate transactions because probably those people are going to own a home or want to own a home or more homes. You guys get it? You can start thinking bigger. If you don't know how to think bigger, which is a problem with a lot of people have, you've got to put yourself in a position where you're exposed to people that think bigger. The country club, like we talked about, or go to places that are like what Julie and I did. The other thing we did is we would intentionally go to parts of the country where there was a higher concentration of wealth and we'd go there and breathe that air. We would, again, observe. We would feel what it was like. We would see people that are our age or younger that were obviously more successful than we were, or at least they looked like they were. You guys get it? Or we'd seek out people in real estate that would then um, you know, give us some suggestions that maybe were mildly older than us or a little bit higher up. These are the things you have to do. You have to make sure that you increase the influence you have of people that you want to become like. If you don't know what you want to become like, that's horrible. Start redefining yourself and decide. You Look what you've done in five years in year five. You've created something that very few people create. Do not celebrate. You have not arrived yet. It's time for you to go to the next altitude. Well, you know, it's funny. When I was writing these notes, I didn't – you just sort of – I uh, put a light bulb in my head. I had forgotten that when we went after New Albany um, Country Club area, that it was about our fourth or fifth year. Yeah. It really was. And I, as I reflect on that and your story that you reminded me of all these things, I think that that is a cure to what can happen when they start getting repetitious boredom. We did it because we are bored. Right. And, and we could have very well stayed in that original sandbox because, you know, we can crank those out all day long. No problem. But we were getting bored and probably on the edge of becoming complacent and starting to do dumb things. And, and then we changed our ways and, and had a new thing to go after. But look at this. At that time, and you guys can look at our pictures on Instagram. <laughs> I put some fat pictures of Tim and Julie up. Julie's super embarrassed about it, which I think is hilarious because she's gorgeous yeah, and she's nice. certainly not fat. But I put some fat pictures up. You guys got to go see them. That was right when Julie and I moved to New Albany. So a surefire sign that we are speaking from experience. And, and we talk from our own experience because you guys like it based on your feedback. But we're at the greatest, you know, so we moved to New Albany. We lost the weight. We got our acts together. Um, and we haven't gained it back since. But really, what we're, the reason we tell you all these stories isn't from our own personal experiences primarily. It's from the billions of coaching clients we've yep. had over the years. That's really where most of our experiences come from. You've got to keep yourself challenged. If you've lost direction on what really is going to motivate you, be okay with not thinking that your current house is your dream house or your current life is your dream life. Be okay. Like maybe you were selling and, you know, we have lots of coaching clients in Iowa. And in Iowa, Iowa is Iowa. God bless Iowa, right? But if you want to, like, maybe you're dreaming of living someplace that's coastal or you want to have someplace where it's not super cold in the winter, well, maybe you need to go down to Florida and you need to start looking at summer homes down there or winter homes as the case may be. You guys get it? Don't stop dreaming because if you do, you're going to stop expanding your thinking and the abilities that you have to provide higher levels of service to other people. 
I'm going to give you guys permission on something else too. There's a lot of confusion about materialism, material stuff, right? People get super confused. Tim, I'm not just all about cars and watches. That's all you guys talk about. Well, first of all, no, it's not. But for those of you who think that we're just all about crap, here's the thing is that you are a spiritual being in a physical manifestation. And, you know, forgive my woo-woo-ness there, but there it is. You're a spiritual being in a physical manifestation. In this plane, as a, you know, a human, you need stuff. You need shoes, you need food, you need computers, you need cars, you need houses, you need all these things. You need these things to exist um, in your world, correct or not correct? You do. Now, might as well have those things be really nice things. If you're like compromised and you're saying, well, you know, I want to buy a new pair of whatever the hell it is, shoes or a purse. And, you know, if you want to buy a new, let's say you're a lady and you want to buy a new purse and you've always dreamed of having a Louis Vuitton purse. I remember when Julie bought her first Louis, actually, I bought Julie her first Louis Vuitton purse. (laughs) And I remember when I bought Julie her first Rolex, right? All these things. She was at, she always wore this nice little uh, Timex that she had when she was in high school and it was just fine. And I tried to show her Rolexes before. She never wanted to buy one. And so she was at a closing. There was a Rolex store next door. I just went over and bought it and gave it to her as a present. Now, that is something that for her, having that on her wrist made a big impact because it made her proud of herself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I felt, uh, you know, really confident in my our original outfits for consignment. So then I upgraded my, uh, like my closing clothes and all that kind of stuff. This stuff does matter. And it's okay to upgrade your stuff. It's okay to want stuff. It's okay to use that to motivate you. And I still have that watch, of course. That's my original And it's funny. Rolex. We're, we're talking about owning assets. That Rolex that I bought her all those years ago is worth more than what we paid for it all those years ago. <laughs> I know. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. But I remember that day. I could probably – I actually remember the property. I could almost tell you the exact address. I do too. It yeah. was on Sawmill Road, by the way. Yes. Yeah. So, guys, listen. <laughs> Here's the moral of the story is that it's okay to want stuff. It's okay to be, quote, unquote, materialistic. There's nothing non-spiritual about wanting nice things. Matter of fact, if you have the ability to have nice things, why the hell not? And all of you have the ability to have nice things. There's a direct correlation between the number of people you help accomplish their goals and the amount of life that you're able to enjoy at the levels that you would choose to enjoy them if you you know, were willing to basically help more people. So the suggestion is close that gap. If you want a really nice house or a really nice boat or really if you want a lot of financial freedom from having a bunch of rental properties, earn it by helping other people accomplish their goals. You are designed to help people. The highest and truest purpose of all this, all of us on this planet is to be of service to other people. That's where we all find our greatest satisfaction. That's the reason Julie and I love doing this podcast. Julie, what's the last That's point? right. Our last point, and I think we've touched on this a lot, is yep. you now have passive income. So reinvest it strategically. Study the best investments you can make and truly begin to build real net worth. You can get stuck in your investments too, so make sure you're expanding your mind expanding what you're exposed to. And I think even at this point, you should err on the conservative side. Uh, I think it's just going to serve them well a lot longer term. Now, how many of you are shocked that Julie and I did not talk at all about building your influence and becoming social networkers? How many of you are shocked that we did not spend a lot of time on that? It's not because we don't see the value in that, because we do. And we do think, remember, we were talking about multiple lead generation spokes. What you should do is, this is the way to think about it. You've got to put the proactive lead generation spokes on your wheel first because those are the ones that are skills-based that you can't have taken away from you that you then can basically replicate and improve and generate more business from. If you want to start adding the passive lead generation spokes, you can probably do that in lead four or five, but you, or I'm sorry, year four or five, maybe really year three, but do not stop doing the proactive lead generation. If you, like, I personally like doing Instagram. It's fun. 
honestly. Sure. I like posting for you guys every day, Julie and I suffering through kettlebell hell or whatever. It's fun. I love your feedback. I love making you guys laugh. It's great. Um, but ultimately, it doesn't generate any coaching sales, and I didn't nope. expect it to. And yours won't either, but it does reinforce your your real work. So the passive stuff, if done correctly and not done in excess, does not replace the proactive work. It enhances it. It might make it better. Because, like, for example, maybe I'm looking for a listing agent here in Dorado, Puerto Rico. Um, and maybe I'm, uh, like, searching different people, and I come across your Instagram profile. I was already thinking about you because I noticed you sold my neighborhood house. I then see we have some things in common with regards to maybe the pictures you post on Instagram or whatever. Well, the Instagram isn't the reason I'm calling you. I would have called you anyway because of the fact that you sold my neighbor's house or because, you know, you maybe sent me a just sold card, right? Again, passive, but I got a just sold card letting me know that you sold my neighbor's house. I was probably going to call you anyway, but the fact that the Instagram stuff was there just reinforced an activity I was already going to do didn't replace it. That's right. And by the same token, those of you who do a lot of posting like that, it can also unreinforce you. Yep. If you're posting dumb stuff, political stuff, things that aren't appropriate. So, yes, I believe, you know, it's in support of, but you still have to be careful since everybody is, you know, a thousand percent Googleable now. One of the best ways to fail the fastest in real estate is not being a proactive lead generator or not building a skills-based business. One of the fastest and most assured way to, fast, uh, to fail within 24 months or less in real estate is essentially trying to be an influencer in real estate and not actually trying to really solve other people's problems. Being an influencer is all about your ego. It's all about basically you trying to make yourself look like something you hope to one day be. Why don't you, instead of faking it, why don't you actually make it? And that's what having a skills-based approach is. Yes, 100% agree. And I, I think that if I were to isolate the one thing I think would put them at risk of not making it to year five, the way we prescribe, is to be overly reliant on one spoke, yep. which right now, by and large, is their past clients and center of influence because everybody's got equity. Pretty much everybody's got good credit right now. Everybody has enthusiasm for the real estate market. And when you sell your house, you can sell it really quick. Those four things happening at the same time are unusual, but we have a generation of agents, at least 10, maybe 12 years worth, who think that's normal. And when the market changes, and it will change, if you've only got that one spoke, you guys are the ones who are going to feel it first. So you've got to have other skills. You've got to be building that, not as soon as the market changes, that's too late. You've got to be ready for that. So that if there's a hiccup, you still are absolutely 100% fine. And the market is going to change. And we think it's going to change in a meaningful way towards the end of this year, based on what we're yeah. seeing. There won't be any real impact on rising rates. We don't truthfully think, we don't think rates are going to go up that high for reasons that we won't bore you with on this today's show. But the reality of it is, is there's still a massive amount of demand and there's still a massive, for every one house that comes for sale, there's got to be 10 buyers that want to buy it, even if it's a, you know not a great listing, mm -hmm. bad location or condition or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's still a seller's market. It's going to be for quite a while and pretty much all price ranges. Yes. But you're going to start seeing uh, cracks and it's definitely going to start happening on the lower end because that's where the interest rates, the rising interest rates truly affect people because they haven't had time to build up a lot of equity other than maybe their down payments. Right. But when we start seeing signs of that, we're going to let you know. But Julie's point is incredibly valid. Go and start building your skills now. Become a powerful listing agent. Follow the uh, five-year plan that we just created for you. Challenge yourself. Make your five -year, uh, the five-year plan we just gave to you. Have it done in three, you know? Why not? So, Julie, why don't you uh, round the bend right there? Yes, so, of course, thank you for keeping this podcast the number one daily podcast for real estate professionals. 
and always like or subscribe so that you receive every show the second it's released. And if you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star review and then share with us why you liked that show. Your continued support and encouragement are greatly appreciated, of course. Guys, thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. It is truly our pleasure and our honor to be in a position to help so many of you. Um, it just is. It makes us feel fantastic. This is the culmination a lot of well, our, our coaching program primarily, but this really is the culmination of our careers worth of work. And this is our opportunity. This is nothing anywhere close to our coaching program. If you guys like this podcast, you will not believe what you get in the coaching program. This is just basically Julie and I skimming the surface of what you get in the coaching program. Many of you are ready to join the coaching program. Stop waiting. Go ahead and just text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372. That'll take you over to our Premier coaching page. And you can just uh, enroll depending on which path you choose for around $100 a month. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. Remember, we have thousands of past podcasts you guys can download and listen to anytime on every podcast listening widget, um, Spotify, iTunes, and everything in between. Have a fantastic day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>